You're listening to Birthplace of Next, the podcast where city officials and partners discuss the latest news and developments in Dayton that make it a livable, sustainable, and innovative community. I'm Dayton Fire Captain Brad French, and today I'm talking to Captain Tyler McCoy about emergency preparedness in the city of Dayton. Tyler, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Brad. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your current role in Dayton Fire. Okay, thanks. So my name's Tyler. I am a captain with the City of Dayton Fire Department. Going back to a child, I have always wanted to be a firefighter. I was that little boy that uh, always knew what I wanted to do, and I always pursued that ambition. And that even goes back to, uh, I grew up on Air Force Base in uh, Phoenix, and I used to have my parents take me to the flight line firehouse and uh, get in those crash trucks. And um, my uncle is now a retired Rochester, Minnesota firefighter. So he would always come to visit and tell me about being a firefighter, and he would actually do scramble drills with me. And, and that's where, um, in the fire service, we have to get our gear on as quickly as possible so that we can get out the door and go to that fire. Um, you know, minimizing that response time is key for any emergency we're going on. So that just kind of drove my ambition to become a firefighter. I wanted to be like him and um, just never gave up on that ambition. I uh, lived in Denver and Phoenix, and then uh, finally, as a preteen, moved to a little town called Cedarville, Ohio, um, in Greene County here. And uh, that actually enabled me to pursue my fire service even more, being a small volunteer fire department. You know, I started hanging around the firehouse when I was 14 years old, and um, probably around 15 or 16, they started a cadet program. So I was one of the initial members with that, and um, just getting to hang out with the Cedarville firemen. Um, probably a key leader in Greene County's fire service was Scott Baldwin back in the day. So, you know, a lot of um, what I am today is because of him. You know, he was a, a great leader and mentor in my fire service and just tried to emulate um, just the knowledge he had, the passion, but also just the um, compassion he had for the citizens of Cedarville really uh, stuck with me. Um, knew that's what I wanted to do, so I started taking fire tests especially in Ohio, but I also flew out to Phoenix a couple of times to take their exam. And uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, be, get on Dayton Fire Department in 2006. And uh, at the time, I was actually the youngest member on the Dayton Fire Department. There's a picture of me on probation with Jim Crable. He was a lieutenant on Engine 18, and he was the oldest uh, firefighter on the job. At his last day on the job, there's a picture of us together. So that was a pretty cool experience. Um, I was assigned to Ladder 13 on the 1st Platoon. Um, terrific crew. I mean, I fit right in. Um, the best ladder crew in the city. Um, it's on the city's west side, located at West and James H. McGee. And the crews that, I've, that I always worked with were just go-getters, really into the job, wanted to be the best they could at the job to serve the citizens of Dayton. And I spent my entire career as a firefighter at Ladder 13 on 1st Platoon. Got promoted to lieutenant in 2013, um, was a lieutenant at Engine 15 in Belmont and Wayne Avenue for almost two years, and I was a lieutenant on Engine 8 at Old North Dayton for, I think, eight months until I became a, got promoted to captain. Spent a year on relief. Um, in the city of Dayton, officers tend to be on relief when they're first promoted, and that's a fill-in position when the regular company officer is off and did that for a year, then I was assigned back to Ladder 13 on the 2nd platoon as the captain, which was uh, just a pivotal moment in my career, you know. 
the first day back there as a captain of 13s, I really could not even picture myself laying in that bed in the captain's office because I could just picture my first captain, Mike Martin, like that was his office. And, you know, just the culmination of me going back as a captain was just phenomenal for me um, in my career, going back to 13s as a captain. Um, education has been important to me. Um, I started going back to college after I had been on the fire department here in Dayton for a couple of years. I obtained my Associates of Fire Science at Sinclair. Um, after I got that, I actually started teaching at Sinclair as an adjunct in the fire science program. I continued my education at the University of Cincinnati, and I obtained my Bachelor's of Science in um, Fire and Life Safety Engineering. and then. I was fortunate enough, um, the director at the time, Jeff Payne, who was actually our captain of rookie school, who was also probably my second most uh, influential fire service member for me, um, he went to the Naval Pulse Graduate School and got a Master's of Homeland Security, and he had mentioned it to me and um, just had a conversation one day with him about it and put an application in thinking I was there was no way I was going to get in. Well, I got in. And at that time, we had three two-year-olds, and uh, my wife wasn't really happy with me going, but I got in, and we decided to go for it, and I did. And uh, I'm glad I did. It was a rigorous 18 months of uh, academic work. Um, the Naval Postgraduate School definitely takes the elite of the country, um, federal, state, and local government in a 32-member cohort. That way you can learn from each other, your experiences. And the biggest thing NPS uh, did for me was my networking. Um, now, whenever I have a problem I'm asked to pursue, I immediately go to my cohorts at NPS, find out what they've done, what research has been implemented, best practices. They have a huge networking and social media platform that they have. So, you know, NPS has just been pivotal in my career, especially is most likely the reason I'm in the role I am now doing homeland um, security and emergency preparedness for the city of Dayton. So the, t tell us a little bit more about that role. What, to, what, what all is, is, on your, is on your plate on a regular basis? So emergency preparedness really is um, forecasting what emergencies could take place in the city of Dayton, both man-made and um, nature looking at what is our capabilities currently and what capabilities should we be pursuing that way we are fully ready to respond to any disaster or emergency that would occur in the city of Dayton. So the, the uh, city of Dayton has definitely taken on more than our fair share of disasters over the past several years. Uh, tornadoes, mass shooting, uh, large-scale controversial events like the HSK rally. So what are the, some, some of the lessons learned from the handling of those situations, either yourself or your predecessors in this position, uh, that make us more prepared as a city today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this, I guess you could call division, got established in 2002 with, at the time, Lieutenant David Wright, um, he was tasked with writing the city's first emergency operations plan. And the EOP basically breaks down what each department in the city could be called upon to, to participate in a disaster. It helps to break up um, span of control and job assignments when a disaster does strike. It also does a lot of preparation um, in preparing for certain disasters. So the EOP may be broken down to if we were to have a chemical release, a radiological release, a tornado or hurricane, 
Um, that way we have those steps in place. Um, we know what we should be doing when that disaster happens and kind of benchmarks as we go along in that disaster to make sure that we are um, reaching the citizens we need to reach, reaching outside the organization. A big key for disaster preparation and response is collaboration, um, both citywide on a mutual aid basis, but countywide. So I work heavily with Montgomery County EMA and their director, Jeff Jordan, and I have a tremendous relationship. Um, whenever a disaster strikes Dayton and Dayton is unable to fully provide the services needed, then our next level is to go to Montgomery County. And then, so if we ask for, we need 10 more tankers in the city of Dayton, we'll request that through Montgomery County. They will provide that. If they are unable to provide that, then it's gonna to go to the state of Ohio Emergency Management Authority. If the state of Ohio cannot fulfill that obligation, then that's when it goes federal. So there is a clear um, span of control and way to obtain resources and personnel should a disaster strike. And the key to that is preparing ahead of time, making sure we have those agreements signed, those relationships built. You know, everything we do is based on relationships. That way in the middle of the night, if we need 10 bulldozers, we know who to call. Um, another key component that, have, that we've learned, especially since 9-11, is implementing the Incident Command System, ICS. ICS is the foundation for how cities, municipalities, and even the federal government responds to any disaster. And the city of Dayton utilizes the ICS framework on a daily basis. You know, police and fire are responding to emergencies every day, house fires, medical emergencies, and we are implementing ICS at the foundational level um, on a daily basis. When a disaster strikes, you know, that's when we build out the ICS framework. It's modular. So if we need to expand that networking, we can. And if we get to the point of a disaster, we're going to implement the ICS. The next step is to open the city's emergency operations center. And the EOC is, is a facility where senior leadership can come and collaborate on the response to the disaster. We bring our technology in, so there's computers there, internet, um, TVs, intelligence gathering is huge, looking at um, weather forecasting, using the news, the media is key, um, and getting any information they may have that we're not aware of. We've really spurred up our social media posting now with public affairs department, so they are a key um, component to the emergency operations center. In involving the EOC, really, we have learned that every department within the city organization plays a key role um, in an emergency. Even if we may not need a resource from that department, they may have an idea that we have not thought of to pursue um, to help mitigate that disaster. So one big key lesson learned is when we open the EOC, every department comes in to represent gotcha. that department. So is, you, you talked a, a lot about the history of this position and the, the development of the plans and all the different components to that. What's been on your radar since taking over uh, this emergency preparedness coordinator role? Uh, we've had, uh, do we have some other major events coming up in 22? Uh, I, I know that you've been uh, quite busy over the winter with some pre preparing for snowstorms and things like that. So in your time in the position, what have been some of your big ticket items? So when I first came in the position, um, I came in the end of June and obviously July 4th, the city of Dayton has a um, very large festival. Any large festival has to be prepared for um, should a disaster strike. Unfortunately, in the world we live in, there is nefarious actors out there 
that want to do harm to citizens. Obviously, unfortunately, Dayton learned that firsthand with the uh, mass shooting in the Oregon District. Um, that is a key planning aspect that the city of Dayton takes part in for any festival we have now. We're looking at how can we protect our citizens from any uh, nefarious actors acting out on them, or even should a natural disaster occur while that festival is going on. So um, emergency evacuations, emergency sheltering. So in that first week, you know, I was thrust into the July 4th planning and implementation for that festival, you know, looking at upwards of 50,000 people in a six block square footprint downtown, um, how to protect them. And then we had the children's parade that we have annually downtown. The difference this year was, unfortunately, we had just had the vehicle that ran down a lot of pedestrians in Wisconsin. So we looked at that, and that had really changed the way we were going to approach the children's parade. We implemented basically a hardened area footprint downtown with utilizing barriers and dump trucks to ensure that the area the parade was, partic was um, occurring in, vehicles were not going to be allowed to be in that area that way we minimize the threat of vehicles striking pedestrians, whether on purpose or accidental. Um, this last winter, obviously, we had a major snowstorm. One key component um, in preparing for disasters is ensuring our senior leadership in the city organization is ready to respond to those emergencies. One key aspect we've implemented is quarterly emergency operations planning and emergency operations center trainings for all senior leadership, both on the uh, management side and the commission side. The week before the snowstorm, I had just conducted a winter storm preparation disaster um, with all key leadership. And then the very next week, we have this winter storm come through that we actually implemented our plan. And I had um, been asked to present to the city commission a cold weather ops plan that we put together and implemented that very next week. Um, there's always going to be lessons learned from that. We always learn lessons from trainings and from real-world um, implementations that we are always going to better ourselves for that next winter storm, that next disaster. We, we just finalized the uh, first four in the Hoopla event in Dayton. That was tremendous um, basketball for the city of Dayton. There was a lot of behind-the-scene planning that went on from the city of Dayton from Montgomery County and even from the state of Ohio that um, all came together to make sure that was a successful and safe event um, in downtown Dayton. One key aspect also is protecting our critical infrastructure. And one of our largest critical infrastructures in the city of Dayton is the Dayton International Airport. And every three years we do a triannual disaster drill to ensure that the Dayton Airport is ready to respond in the unfortunate event that we would have a plane crash. Um, that's coming up this summer, so I'm working on that plan as well to uh, hold that drill. And then every month we have special events that happen in the city of Dayton. Sure. And I work um, in hand with Dayton Police to ensure that those are prepared for and appropriate resources are staged for those events to ensure the safety of uh, even outsiders, out, out of towners that come in for cheerleading competitions at the convention center and such. Sure, that's good. We want people to come in from the outside, right? Uh, Absolutely. The, 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 the more the better here. So it's great to know that all the parts of the city work together to be prepared. So uh, what about our listeners? What can our listeners do to prepare themselves in their own homes for a disaster or uh, any type of emergency? Yeah, so the biggest key 
for homeland defense. And the reason it's called homeland defense is because we want to secure the citizens within the United States. They need to have the ability to be self-reliant um, to save themselves should, unfortunately, city resources have a delay in responding to them. If we were to have an earthquake or a tornado, it may be a little while before police, fire, emergency services can reach them um, from the local, state, and federal level. To help ensure that, the federal government, FEMA, has created a website, ready.gov, where our citizens can go on and look for planning for a disaster kit that will explain everything they need from water, food, batteries, radios. Um, one key thing for weather especially with the tornadoes we had, is ensuring that um, every house should have a weather emergency radio that will go off should a tornado um, warning occur. And also, one key thing we're learning, um, the way humans can quickly die in a disaster is through bleeding. So they've come up with a program called Stop the Bleed. Um, also, CPR training is key, so we can contact the Red Cross for Stop the Bleed or CPR training. That would be huge in order for citizens to be able to take care of their family and their neighbor. When a disaster occurs, um, obviously take care of your family first, but then also check on your neighbors, especially if they're elderly, young, um, try to give them care before fire, police, and emergency services can get to them. Well, it's, it's certainly interesting to hear about all of the behind-the-scenes things that are constantly going on uh, with you, Captain McCoy, and, and the entire city leadership team. It's uh, comforting to know that all these things are kind of uh, always happening in the background to keep us safe as these different events uh, come along. So we certainly appreciate your time today. I really, uh, uh, really appreciate you stopping by and giving us some insight. So Captain Tyler McCoy, thank you very much for your time today in the Emergency Preparedness Coordinator role for the City of Dayton. Um, my name is Captain Brad French. Uh, we'll sign off here. Uh, make sure you go check out that website uh, that Captain McCoy mentioned, ready.gov, and join us again next month on Birthplace of Next.